hi, this is Nick Holly from the Houston Roughnecks, and this is the XFL Show. And the D.C. defenders improved to 2-0, and they win convincingly in both of their games. Cornelius towards the end zone, intercepted, game over. Kyle Cairo finishes it off. Fourth and ten, Johnson pressured, lets it go, it's batted, and incomplete. Vincent Moss won't bother to use his final timeout. The Renegades come on the road. And the Roughnecks will finish it with a 28 to 24 win. A hard fought, well played football game here tonight. For the love of Welcome, football fans. This is February 18th, 2020. This is for the love of football, and this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Bryant. Week two was gritty, emotional. Has us all rethinking our entire game plan for this episode. It's episode 114. Get on the ball. Move, move, move. We got to go fast because that's what this game's all about, baby. Speed, speed, speed. Week two in the books, Vince. It was very entertaining for me, and I know you really enjoyed watching those two coaches going at it in the Dallas and L.A. game. That was very special. Yeah, I got a lot to say about that coming up in this episode. Uh, But, yeah, just a lot of buzz going around uh, the entire country as far as I'm concerned about this XFL. People in factories, people on the floor talking to me. I uh, just can't wait to see more football next week. Yeah, week three is going to really be interesting with some uh, teams still winless after week two. Bryant, one of them, the LA Wildcats, you were at that game. But the atmosphere, even though the home team lost, was pretty special. It came through on TV and you said you had a lot of fun. Uh, the most fun I've had at a football game ever. Uh, <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, it was tons of fun. The, the atmosphere, you, like, before this is you the continue. first time. Listen, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Vince. I, I just want to hear you rank your top five football games that you've been to. I've only been to four, so I can't really do that much. <laughs> um, well, actually, no, I've been to seven if you count the original XFL. I would say this one, then week two of the original XFL, uh, UCLA, USC from this past season. Uh, and then everything else just doesn't really matter. Um, no, I'll tell you what. It is awesome to go to a football game in Los Angeles where everyone is cheering for the same team. It's 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 electric. <laughs> it's not half this. It's not half that. It was a lot of fun. The Wildcats did a great job to get the crowd riled up. The music was on point. Uh, I was with uh, a good friend of all of ours. And you know if he thinks the music was good. What does oh, that yeah. mean, uh, Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he, he said they were bumping. They were getting the crowd into it. The the stadium, the stadium PA was firing on all cylinders. And, you know, L.A. at the end found a little bit of offense, but it was a little bit too little too late for the Wildcats. So they are 0-2. Bryant had a good time there, but 
no, no more good times for that team. They really need to, to defend that home field coming up in week three. And we'll, we're going to look back at these games a little bit, look ahead at what this week holds for each team in the XFL. We've got a lot of work to do. So like I said, we got to move, move, move. 724-565-4XFL is the number for you to call. That's the XFL fan line. Call in any time. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show if you want us to. Just give us your name, where you're from. Give us a comment, a question. If you went to one of the games, give us a report. We'd like to hear from you. That's 724 565 xfl And, of course, we are on social media. Hit us up on Twitter, at XFL Show, if you want to do your commentary, your questioning there. And we have a very special guest on this episode. We have Jonathan Coachman, the coach, will be joining us later on. Bryant and I spoke to the coach. He hosts the XFL pregame show each and every single Saturday and Sunday on XFL YouTube, on XFL.com, across all XFL platforms, just like us. And he gets you set on game days. And I'm having a lot of fun watching that show, Bryant. Uh, I was a little tiny part of that show a couple of weeks ago. And you and I, this weekend at the Battle Dome, should be a pretty pretty nice part of that show with everything we got going on in St. Louis for their home opener. Alan, I told you to tell people that Vince and you are going. I don't want them to know that it's me in St. Louis. I, I did not expect this to actually happen to me be in St. Louis for a football game. I would have been a little bit nicer uh, going into it. But yes, we're going to have a lot of fun out there and hopefully make it onto this pregame show because uh, Jonathan Coachman was gracious enough with his time. I guess the coach. Can we call him the coach? I guess we're cool like that right now. I mean, we're, yeah. we, we're basically all friends now. Oh, yeah. With that good that good Chris football talk you, me, and uh, the coach had earlier today that we're going to play for everybody for sure. The coach coming with some awesome info and awesome insight into the XFL from his perspective. He's been around. You're talking about a guy, ESPN, WWE. He's, he's done those kind of in-the-moment interviews too, Vince. I was interested to get his perspective on what's going on in the sidelines. So that's all coming up with the coach later on, plus his take on what the state of the league going into week three. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what the coach has to say. You know, this is a guy who's he's been involved in, you know, covering all kinds of sport for for a good while here and it's interesting to get his take on this new concept yep and he of course hosts that pregame show you gotta catch it that is on xfl check it on xfl youtube it'll go right there get your notifications on it'll or go on twitter it's gonna get you set on game days i was so hyped going into these games watching that show this week since I watched all the games from home for the first time, not on the road this past weekend, Vince. So I really got a, a different kind of perspective on this show as we recap the games coming up. And don't forget that this show coming out every Tuesday morning, these are our recap shows for the weekend, but we do have mini sode recaps. Those are instantaneous recaps of each and every single game every weekend, all season long. So if you didn't catch those, make sure for week three, you listen to those recaps, they'll come out shortly after each game ends. But today we're going to do even further detail on the recap and look ahead for each team and uh, have a lot of fun there. But first, let's dink and dunk around the league with uh, some other activity stemming from week number two. We are a gritty team, and I've played about as bad as you can play. Uh, and I'm very, very thankful for the win, and thank God that I got out of here healthy. Okay, so you just reiterated that point, and you said that to us during the game five or six different times. Where did you learn to take that kind of ownership when you're performing in a poor way? Let's call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? Let's not sugarcoat things. That's the only way you're going to get better. And we play in a public arena and for all the world to watch, you know, so it's not a secret that 
I didn't play very good today. You know, everybody else, I'm sure I'm going to get on Twitter, all kinds of haters and all Don't do that. Just stay away from the mentions. <laughs> stay away from it. Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's A win's a win. You know, it wasn't pretty, but we got it done. I told you before the game, first time in 777 days that you were going to be starting a football game. You're playing ball. How good did that feel? Oh, it felt great. And I, the thing I'm most proud of are the scrambles. I couldn't believe it. When you see them on film, you might not be very proud of them. Oh, I know. It took <laughs> it took a long time for me to get out of bounds. Dallas Renegades quarterback Landry Jones got himself a win in his first outing, Vince. But he had even admitted there what wasn't as hot as he would hoped uh, for his uh, first his first XFL start, but really a contrast from what we saw on Saturday and a lot of the talk this weekend was about the quarterback play how really there are some big standouts and a handful of quarterbacks that were underperforming in some of these games uh, that was a major talking point across you know the networks the broadcasts and of course social media Vince you hear Landry Jones take ownership that way and you gotta respect it Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, yeah, there was some criticism of Landry's play. And, you know, he was the first guy to you know own up to that criticism. But at the same time, you know, he said he was healthy. He did not look it to me. I, I will say that, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, I've seen I've watched every snap of this guy in his professional career. I've watched most of his snaps in his collegiate career. Uh, this guy just did not look. 100%, especially when he was scrambling outside you think, the pocket. Do you think it was an injury thing or just an out-of-football shape thing? Uh, to me, it looked like it, it looked like an injury thing to me. Uh, it just did not seem like his legs were moving the way that they should. Uh, and if you're a quarterback and, you, you know, you got a knee injury, you know, it's difficult to get your footwork down. It's difficult to get that kind of zip you need on the ball, uh, you know, all things considered, I think that he played very well, you know, given the circumstances, you know, as a first game back and, and clearly not 100 percent. I thought he did excellent. And, and, you know, his arm was working, at least. I mean, he he was pretty inaccurate oh, yeah. most of the game, but he had some gorgeous balls and he made some plays that, you know, he, he found his guys he was getting comfortable with. He loved throwing to Parham and he was hitting them and that beautiful ball from his own end zone too to Crockett. I mean, Landry Jones showed you why he was, at least in spurts in this game, why he was the first quarterback, first player in the X, added to the XFL uh, this the, for this season. And he, uh, he, I will say, was, you know, pretty, it was a pretty even matchup between him and Josh Johnson, Bryant. Josh Johnson had his, his flashes as well. He looked, I, I would say, the same as Landry Jones, a little rusty, but at moments looked like he could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. It was just his first game out there. Go ahead, Vince. I know you want to say something. I can hear it. Uh, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. I want to, I'd like to hear <laughs> And he, like and, hear. and also he owned up to his performance uh, flaws as well. Both these guys went out there, played not as well as they'd hoped. And they, they were a huge contrast from the thing. Everyone's talking about Matt McGloin on Saturday, but I thought Josh Johnson also, I mean, as a Wildcats fan, Bryant, you got to enjoy what you saw out of him, especially at the end of the game, kind of just marching down the field to get back into it. Yeah, and we we mentioned it on our on our Minnesota after the game that which team was better or more excited to see their first stringer back, and we said both of them. I mean, the, 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 both of these quarterbacks kind of lit a spark in both these teams. Uh, even though uh, Dallas came away with the victory, I feel like L.A. You know, Jake was calling this a must win game for them. I don't think it was a must win 
Uh, you know, they're still just the same amount of games out of the playoffs as they were last week. So it's not like that important. It's only week two. Uh, they have their their star quarterback back. They got some players um, on that team to have Josh Johnson back. Uh, the mobility, yes, he might he might not have had the most precise throws, but compared to what the Wildcats and for the Renegades, what they were getting in week one, uh, both teams had huge upgrades this week. I, I, no, no doubt about that. But at the same time, I, I you know, and this is the discussion I was having with a lot of people uh, over the weekend and today was, you know, is it, you know, that these quarterbacks are just not good enough or is it that they just haven't had the practice time and, you know, the, the opportunity really to get in a groove with their receivers, you know, they could clearly throw the ball down the field. There, there's no doubt about that, but, you know, Johnson, particular he missed on a lot of deep throws and he got Barely. a question was it a t- was it a time well that's what i'm saying it, you know was it a timing thing with the receivers or does he just not have the touch you know t- time will tell you know we'll know you know it, it, over the next several weeks just how how good these guys are uh but to me you know it, they're in a tough spot you know you're you know it's the you know it's not like you you were with this team last year and played a bunch of games. And this was his first game on a brand new team. Uh, it, it's difficult to, you know, come out and just light the world on fire. Uh, so, you know, they just certainly got some work to do on the practice field in order to get better. And they're going to have to uh, if, if this Wildcats team wants to eventually make the playoffs. And Johnson, Landry Jones, they said as much about their performances, and I think they're going to they're going to really turn it on because they were just inches. I mean, Josh Jones inches on some huge plays early in the game. But I think let's give it up to Beardless Birdo on Twitter who t- who sent us a message. This is some good social activity talking about the quarterback play and how all these quarterbacks responded to their poor play. Uh, he said, I can't remember who mentioned it about Matt McGloin not accepting responsibility for his performance, but I'm loving seeing Landry Jones and Josh Johnson both owning up to subpar play and not throwing their guys under the bus. Hand clap emojis, Bryant. So that comes from Beardless Birdo and a handful of other fans who noticed that contrast. And we'll talk a little bit more about Matt McGloin uh, and the New York Guardians who had a rough week uh, in just a moment. But uh, anything else on the social activity front, Bryant, that you notice in terms of chatter after our mini-sodes and you and I were all wrapped up and co- covering those games, recapping them, and I was, you know, before we got on the microphones for this episode, I was really diving into Twitter and just saw a whole ton of people talking about the quarterback play over the weekend. Yeah, it was the quarterback play that kind of stole the entire weekend, so, you know, that, that's kind of what Twitter was a buzz about. I'll also say if you go to our Twitter at XFL show, I did a kind of like a pregame and then an aftergame of my uh, kind of adventures at Dignity Health Sports Park. So check that out at XFL show. Yeah, how was that um, tailgate? How was how you went out to the fans? Were they well, what were they cooking? Three up hours. There? Nice. Three hour tailgate, you know, done by the team, basically out there, you know, food trucks and, and live DJs and, and everything going on there. Fans, you know, fans had it. Things to do at nine in the morning in LA. It, it, it was kind of amazing to watch. Uh, overall, <laughs> that that atmosphere was awesome. Uh, I had an interview with a family of four sitting front row. Uh, how excited he was to be able to bring his entire family. I mean, there was his wife, his brother, his daughter, and, a, and an infant were all there for thirty dollars a ticket. So he was really excited about that too. So uh, it was a lot of fun there. And social media was a buzz. Uh, I think maybe not as much as week one, but still, there's something there with the XFL right now. 
Oh, absolutely. A lot of people talking about week uh, two in different ways. Some people critiquing the quarterback play. Some people just giving it up to some of the ballers we've noticed already. P.J. Walker, Cardell Jones really standing out. Uh, and, of course, Cam Phillips, a fantasy stud this week. Um, as far as injuries go, we're waiting to hear on on you know what these MR, some players getting MRIs. We saw some Battlehawks got injured in their game in their loss against the, the Roughnecks. Uh, we'll wait for some more injury news to come out from the week. So our, th- our Thursday night show will have a lot more with regards to injuries across the XFL, and we'll look ahead to week three on who's going to maybe be available or not available, more importantly. And then Vince, transactions-wise, as of the late night to uh, Monday night recording, no coaches have been fired this week. Good news. Yeah, that's excellent news, uh, and especially c- considering week one's events. Uh, you know, getting through week two with no pink slips uh, or gold watches handed out, I think, is a, a step up. Absolutely. And uh, and Win- Winston Moss was loving calling his defense, too, Brian. I don't know if while you were there in L.A., if you caught what we saw on TV, but he found a nice spot on that bench whenever his <laughs> offense was out there to get to rest up and make sure he was he was on the same page with his defense. It was a hot day. I don't blame him. The man's carries around a towel. Take a little meme, break. The hot. meme of yeah, the week. Brian, that was the meme yeah. of the week for sure. That came how, out of week. How two. hot was it there? I mean, explain. Explain this, please. Look, you know how like in the cold weather cities they have like you know thirty feels like ten because of the wind chill or whatever. In L.A., it's like seventy-five feels like a hundred because of the sun. I mean, really, it's it's just how it is. So it felt like a hundred. I don't know what the actual temperature was, I, but it felt pretty. pretty I, I don't. You know, for somebody who said they were going to be out there coaching like a crazy man. Uh, you know, this, I thought this that was, was pretty a little crazy. bit of a letdown. What? I thought that <laughs> was pretty crazy. When did, relaxed. When, that's crazy to me. When do you ever see a head coach sitting on, on his defensive uh, sideline, part of the sideline? I don't with think the... he knew that the cameras were going to catch that too, by the way. Like the man is, the man is a walking meme. Of course he's going to sit on the bench and just relax. If he had the option to a lazy boy, he'd be there. Are you saying he's just trying to build his brand? Well, <laughs> there are some players now trying to build their brand of the XFL. Oh, I yes, mean, there are. You notice they, they, you've got, you could see them on the sidelines, players with their eyes on the camera, looking for the camera, just waiting for that interview. They got stuff ready. Saw Frank Alexander working out. I think he, he has a, he could do a line of workout tapes now, Vince, with his doing his ab workout <laughs> on the sideline, trying to stretch. Yeah, all, all the, I mean, you know, uh, I think it was Cam. Or, uh, yeah, Cam Phillips, I think it was, too, you know. Helmet like off every, every time. time. <laughs> every time. Yeah, that's that's something that the, the U, uh, Miami Hurricanes players used to do because, you know, all the girls out there, they want to see see what you look like whenever you score that touchdown. <laughs> the they, wanna, they don't want to see you with a helmet on. They want to make sure the sponsors know exactly who they are in Miami. I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's who – you you got to do your thing out there, and no matter no matter what you got to get it done on the field though. That most importantly, and there's some players that got it done on the field, and we need to talk about them now because we got some week two awards to give away here on this is the XFL show in our cover two. Are you pro reclining the chair or are you against it? Now, now let me tell you why I'm against it. I I don't get I don't have a problem with nobody reclining AC, but I'm a little bit too tall for y'all to be leaning back on my knees. So keep your children and yourself to yourself. You hear me? Just just I'm I'm against reclining on the airplane. So yeah, that's it right yeah, there. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a message to America. You better believe it. 
That's the landlord, Anthony Johnson, new DC Defenders edge rusher, had a lot of fun coming off the red eye in that 27 to nothing victory for DC. I mean, he had the Lawrence Taylor earring going on in that interview as well, Vince. Now that is how you build a brand. The landlord back in the running for my Mr. XFL. It's a hell of a nickname too, the landlord. I mean, this this guy, <laughs> this guy's too. impressive. He's impressive, no doubt about it. Uh, love that interview. That was really that was like the first thing of the weekend, and still it stood stood the test. It was one of my favorite things coming out of week number two. But will it win my this was XFL football award? I'll let you know in just a second. First up, Star of the Week nominees up on Twitter from at XFL2020. Fans could vote on this, Bryant, for the Star of the Week. Last week, P.J. Walker won it. The nominees this week include Nelson Spruce, the wide receiver from the L.A. Wildcats, Cameron Artis Payne, whoo, running all over the Wildcats at the end of that game, the Dallas running back, and then Cam Phillips, aforementioned, wide receiver of the Roughnecks with three touchdown snags. And then Jordan Talmu, the quarterback for the Battlehawks, in a losing effort. I mean, super accurate. Had a couple of backbreaking picks, but really impressive in that one. You could vote now at XFL2020 on Twitter. I will let you know right now I gave my vote to Cam Phillips. Brian, how about you? I was thinking of Cam Phillips because of those three touchdowns, but, you know, he he – he cost, I'm not going to say he cost his team because the, the Roughnecks won, but that was a very selfish thing to do to take off your helmet twice. I think he only got called for it once, if I'm not mistaken, but do it and almost do it three times. That's just kind of a selfish move to me. I, that's why I kind of had to like negate some points from him. I, I think to me, it goes in a losing effort to Jordan Tamu. He, he showed strides of being one of the better quarterbacks in this league. He rushed for another touchdown. Uh, I'm only faulting him for that one interception. That second interception probably shouldn't have gone against him. I know, never assume. Uh, in this league, but still, uh, Jordan Tamu showed signs of of being one of the top tier quarterbacks in this league. Yeah, I mean, I would give it to him, but if if it, I mean, he did throw the pick and he assumed a guy was offsides. We have a lot to discuss on that play a little bit later on, but I don't know if I could give my star. Um, you have to have a very special week for me to give the star a week, star of the week to a player on a losing team. Vince, who who are you voting for on this of the nominees? I, I gotta give it to. To my man, Cameron Artis Payne, uh, uh, for the for the uh, Renegades out of Auburn. Uh, you know this cat here was just making people miss left and right. Uh, basically, you know Dallas w- with Landry Jones' situation, uh, you know it just didn't look right. So they were basically in a situation where they were only going to throw it if they had to, and they were just going to keep handing it to this guy until the other team could stop him and they couldn't do it. And this, this guy, you know, to me, kind of single-handedly won him that ball game. And, but he, but he missed one point from the bonus points, Vince, 99 yards and two touchdowns. He was one yard short, but you know, you you talked about, you know, for, and and I'm sure we'll get to it, you know, all the criticism of quarterbacks, but you know, there were a lot of players to me that are really standing out and that, you know, they're good enough to play in the NFL. I'll tell you something right now. Artis Payne is good enough to play in the NFL. You know, he could he could get significant touches on some NFL teams. I, th- I think he's that good. I think he's somebody who's playing his way into getting a shot uh, next year in the NFL. I'd love to see it. Uh, this kid just really impressive. 
And give it up to the – I would maybe put the Renegades offensive line out there as well because not only did Artis yeah. Payne average 7.1 yards a, a carry in this game, so did Lance Dunbar for, for the Renegades. And how about Landry Jones even having some room to scramble a little bit uh, for four, four attempts <laughs> I'll for I'll tell you what, though, hold on. I didn't mention it, but when he was when he was scrambling, it seemed like the whole game just slowed down. Time stopped. Just, everybody stopped. Yes, yeah. was, the crowd was like, "What's going on right now?" This man's walking. That was it. Was like Matrix no bullet time. Him. Yeah, it was Matrix <laughs> it bullet really time. Was. It was just slow motion. It was awesome. It was fun to watch. Um, the Renegades, I, I think, have played in two of the most entertaining XFL games so far after two weeks, and their twenty-five to eighteen win over the Wildcats was definitely hard fought and well earned. Uh, and we will break that game down in just a little bit. But yes, you could go vote for Cameron Artis Payne if you want, Cam Phillips, Nelson Spruce, or Jordan Taamu uh, for the star of the week in the XFL. And then um, they're going to be doing some spotlighting and, and talking about that on that XFL pre-show, the pre-game show for Saturday and Sunday, hosted by the coach and Elise Ashton on XFL YouTube. Uh, really cool to see that given away and that fans have a voice on that on a weekly basis. But no fans have a voice in this award, Vince, my award. Each and every single week, we all came up with our own awards we're going to give away all, every week. Mine, this was XFL football. That's the award each and every single week. And I award it to the moment, the player, the person, the thing that just really screams, this is the XFL for that week. And, well, I don't think anything is going to beat what happened at halftime of that Guardians and Defenders game when Matt McGloin was interviewed by Diana Rossini. What does this team need to do on offense to get something going here? We need to change the whole entire game plan at halftime. Okay, what do you need to change about the game plan? What are you frustrated about? There's just a lot going on right out now. Uh, it's embarrassing for us here as an offense, so a lot of things we want to fix and correct. Thanks. Woo! I think we have our first XFL moment, that, that real big moment of the year. The one <laughs> That is tops. That's going to be tough to beat for this was XFL football for the year. I don't know. I mean, the rest of the year we're going to be – I'm going to give this award away, Bryant, but Matt McGloin with just a honest and maybe selfish interview. I don't know. A lot of argument about what he said and whether or not that was couth or not. Was it heat of the moment? Was it a player not owning up to his flaws? He had like 32 yards passing at that point. It was like, I don't know, four for 13 or something terrible. It was not good for the for the New York quarterback. What did you think of of that halftime interview? I when when I heard it live, I think we both instantly jaw. sent it to each other. My jaw hit the floor. Jaws dropped. I think you and I sent it to each other. And be like that. We need to save. It was one of those moments that you just kind of wonder what was going through the mind, and you kind of know because of what's what you've seen on the field. But that's the access you get with the XFL. You know the. Poor Matt McGloin, he was interviewed, I want to say, more than I've seen anyone interviewed so far in both weeks combined in this single game. Yeah. Uh, he was just we, kind of we actually, television. We actually say. got some fans uh, tweeting at us at XFL Show saying, oh, I love the interviews, but, man, they're, like, really putting the camera and microphone in, in McGloin's face a whole lot multiple times in one game. What do you think about that, Vince, going to the same guy multiple times in one game like that, especially when he's having what he said the worst game of his life? Well, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you know. Fans want to hear from the quarterback, you know, right or wrong. So, you know, you're gonna 
talk to the hot button guy, whoever's, you know, making the plays or not making the plays. And that's, that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm completely fine with it. That's what I, you signed up for. I, it is. I, and he, he said as much. He said, this is the access everybody wanted. And it is. I love it. I want more of it. I'm sorry. I just want to see Diana Rossini do what she does. She's fantastic. And to go in there and just fearlessly ask these questions to some guys who are just having terrible games. Because a lot of, I mean, we've seen it in the past with athletes. Some guys will fly off the handle. It's an emotional sport. And, you know, you take a lot of pride in what you could do on the field. And if you're playing poorly, who knows how a guy's going to react. And, it, it, you know, in that case, he, he, he quote unquote, threw his uh, coaches under the bus. Later on, we saw Kevin Gilbride have a talk with him uh, and that was aired on TV. I mean, there's just a lot of dissension apparently in New York and it, it all stems from that moment. That is the crazy thing about it in the XFL you see the moment that kind of stuff happens within a locker room. We'll see where the Guardians go from there, and uh, we'll get back to their situation when we recap that game. But, Vince, I want to know, what was your award for the week? What are you giving away? I believe yours is called the Line of the Week. Yeah, the Line of the Week, and I'm giving this to uh, Coach Offensive Coordinator Hal Mummy. Uh, he had a lot of good, good uh, sound bites, but my favorite was play fast, do it again. Play fast, do it again. <laughs> play fast do it again <laughs> you know he was just you know he just kept saying things like that get on the ball don't let him rest get on the ball he knew that the wildcats <laughs> just could not stop the, uh th this running attack and and this is somebody who's coming you know from the college coaching ranks he knows that in that kind of game you know you just put your foot on the throat of the opponent and you just do not let up and you just keep scoring. Uh, even when, you know, the Wildcats, you know, counterpunched them and made it a, uh, a one score game again. You know, what did the Renegades do? Just keep doing the same thing. Right back, back do it again. Field and, and, and scored. And I'll tell you something right now. I, I you know, as wild as it is to see me see uh, coach Bob Stoops in this league. And, and I, I, just can't really believe it. Uh, and I, and there's a lot of big name uh, coaches in this league, Bob Stoops being the biggest one. And I was on record saying that, you know, nobody's going to buy a ticket to watch somebody coach. So I wasn't quite sure how meaningful wrong. all this was. Wrong. But <laughs> they are, I am wrong because they, uh, the way the presentation was made on this ABC broadcast of ha showing the two coaches kind of side-by-side, side, cameras on each one. Call for you call. You hear exactly what each one's saying, and then you see that the play, uh, uh, see how it all plays out on the field right in between them, just seeing the coaches go back and forth. This was some of the best presentation I have seen during a football game in a long, long time. This was revolutionary to me. This was outstanding theater. I loved every single second of this i cannot commend the xfl enough for coming up with something like this and when you have great characters like how mummy and coach winston moss acting as the defensive coordinator on the other side these guys just going at it this this was just outstanding theater i loved it get on the ball don't let them rest get on the ball you watch the nba for players you watch mlb for home runs and you watch the XFL for some people now for the coaching. 
At least I, I think I do. I, I'm with you, Vince. I think that might be my favorite part so far of the broadcast are those picture-in-picture, call-for-call. I mean, what we saw – I mean, we got to see Pep Hamilton really with a master class in coaching in that D.C. game, how he was telling his receivers which guys to pick on and what to do, you know, get on your horse. I mean, he was amazing. <laughs> Getting to see that as a fan from Mummy and Pep and Winston Moss was amazing. Yeah, just to see it, you know, for like, I'm not saying the whole game needs to be played out like that, although some some people would probably like to see that. Uh, But just to see a whole drive uh, of them just going back and forth and you see that kind of chess match uh, that they're, 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 you know, combating each other with, even if you don't know all the terminology uh, that they're saying, you know, it's, it's still just fascinating to see. To, to me, not it was ABC the only ones that really did something like this presentation. Uh, I, I didn't see it a ton in the Fox broadcast, but um, uh, certainly in the in this ABC one, I I can't uh, j- just give them enough re- rewards for something like this. Yeah, ES- ESPN is the one that's really kind of going and giving you the live kind of play by play with the coaches. Fox is kind of picture, taking a yeah. step back. Yeah, picture and picture stuff. Fox is kind of doing it in posts, you know, giving you like, hey, this is what happened when that play calling was happened, when when that play happened, or or things like that. But you're right. The, to see – so I sat down with somebody who two weeks ago, I said, hey, um, are you going to be watching the XFL? And his response is, I'm not watching NFL rejects. That was his response. So last week he came over for dinner, sat down, watched the first part of the D.C. and Seattle game from week one, and he was hooked because of the access, because of the, the pace, because of everything that the XFL is trying to do different. And he enjoyed it so much that he was actually selling it, I heard later down the line, selling it to other people out in the streets now. So if you give the XFL a chance, you'll realize that anything can happen in the XFL, and it's a lot of fun to sit there and watch it. Yeah, I love that picture and picture. Uh, I like that the broadcasts are different too, different too. Fox has their own style, ESPN, ABC. Each, each game feels like a different – a different flavor, especially with the personalities running around the sidelines, getting interviews. That also makes every broadcast different, unique, and fun. I mean, I can't speak enough about the broadcast end of the first two weeks. It's been amazing. It's given us great lines. Characters like Vincent and Hal Mummy. Play fast, do it again. Get on the ball. Don't let them rest. Get on the ball. And I want a Hal Mummy beach towel if, if they ever sell it on XFLshop.com. All right, Bryant, uh, what's your yours is the Who Made Bryant Look Good? award who made you look good this week okay so i could easily have given it to nelson spruce again because of his performance (laughs) this week uh 26.9 fantasy points i'm telling you about this man he's he's just loves to to gobble up footballs but i'm not i'm gonna give it to donald parham from dallas the dallas renegades 18.6 fantasy points five receptions seven uh six touchdowns 76 yards uh, but his value on DraftKings, $2,400, Vince. Now, I know you're the you're the betting guy. You're the fantasy guy here. That's some value for $2,400 on DraftKings, and you get 18.6 points out of that. Yeah, usually you're looking for, you know, a 3x value on salary. Uh, you know, this guy is obviously well exceeding that. You know, that, that's that's a hell of a buy there if you could get yeah, somebody well, he'll at be, that price. He'll be produce. a little bit higher price tag now that everyone's seen. He's yeah. one of Landry Jones's favorite targets. But, yeah, you've been calling him out for a while, Bryant, that tall drink of water, Donald Parham. Uh, out of where again? Stetson in Florida. <laughs> 
I don't. We can't mention Donald Parr without saying Stetson. Now that's the new thing. All right, those are our the, our weekly awards. Uh, Jake, unfortunately, not here to give us the celebration of the week, Vince. But I don't know if any stood out to you. Probably Cam Phillips with uh, the helmet stuff. Well, yeah, Cam Phillips. He, he'd be my number one guy. Uh, and, and mostly because he got to celebrate the most. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you, you, you know who didn't make Bryant look good? Who? That's not what the Matt, that's not what the award is. That's not what the award is. So supposedly you know one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. It was week one. That's not what the award is. What the heck, uh, Alan? Who who whose team was it that you said you loved the sack? Oh, it was the Vipers sack dance though? That's pretty good. With oh, the Vipers, with the, the Vipers the sack dance. The co- oh man, that is great. That was that's a, a gif cobra. and a half. Viper. That was beautiful. Yeah, it's a Viper, Vince. You can't call it the Cobra anymore. It's now the Viper. Uh, but let's take it to the Vipers, who part part two of our cover two, our power rankings. We collectively rank each each team, and then Bryant puts them into the algorithm, and it spits out the official show rankings. People giving us reaction already on Twitter, Bryant. I don't know if you saw any of that, but uh, laying them all out here. You want to you want to do the honors and tell everybody one through eight. Yeah, I'll probably go in reverse order here. Number eight. Uh, Tampa Bay. I have a lot to say about Tampa. We'll talk about them uh, right now here in a little bit with their uh, with their game recap. Uh, Tampa Bay number eight, New York uh, number seven. Uh, you know, people are saying, how do you put a one and one team uh, below an zero and two team at number six with LA? But I think based on their performances, it's easy to say that oh. LA looked like a better football team. Bro, than New York this past bro, week. I had New York numbers eight, bro. After this week, that was. <laughs> I, I don't care if you won in the first week. That was bad against D.C., but we'll talk about it in a sec. Continue. Yeah, and then, then you have uh, Seattle at five getting their first win of the season against that Tampa Bay team. Uh, St. Louis at number th- – I'm sorry, Dallas at number four. Uh, Landry Jones coming back gives them that huge boost. I think they were ranked number six last week. Uh, St. Louis, number three, almost pulled one out. I think they're probably the best of the one-on-one teams right now. Uh, personally speaking, I think we all agree on that. And then the top two could have been flipped, some people were saying. But at the end of the day, I think Houston just looks like a better team. So Houston's number one and DC's number two. Yeah, that's interesting. People, I, I, I didn't think we'd get as much pushback on Houston as number one from the DC uh, defender defenders. Uh, but they are, and rightfully so. You should defend your team. And they are undefeated. And they're winning in all facets of the game. And their coach is on the money. Uh, Pep Hamilton, I, I think, might be doing the best job of any coach so far. Uh, but Houston's defensive line, Vince, is what puts it over for me. For them, is number one. I don't know why, if if or why you would have them at number one, but that was the main reason for me. That D line's ferocious. Yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, you know they seemed equally balanced. You know, offense and defense. He's a defense led by that defensive line. Offense, you know, PJ Walker, you know. One way or another, this kid's just making plays all all over the field. Uh, you could maybe say he's you know an early running for for an MVP candidate. Well, I think both teams have played you know three out of four quarters. Excuse me, three out of four halves of football pretty well. Uh, both of them kind of you know Houston had a, a not so so Houston half in that second half of this last game a dc against seattle was also kind of not the dc we saw since then in that first half of their first game but houston's opponents i think kind of kind of boosted them up playing st louis and la dc got the luxury of playing that new york team that you know (laughs) uh, know, 
the long I, bus ride home. Also, yeah, that six-hour bus ride could not have been fun. Um, also, gotta gotta mention both these teams are undefeated and got to be home the first two weeks. Will be interesting now that they go on the road and seeing how in the first two weeks we've only had in both weeks each week one road team win. Bryant, I mean, we 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 might have to hold our horses a little bit on Houston and DC. They they haven't. I think broken away. They're not that far ahead on, of the curve, uh, but they do look pretty solid so far. But it's a whole different thing when you got to go on the road. And DC's going all the way across the country, and they're taking on an improved Wildcats team. And I mean, if Tampa ever figures out how to score in the red zone, my goodness, they could be one of the better teams too. A preseason favorite, according to Caesars, Vince. But those two games are definitely ones to watch: the O and twos versus the two and Os next week. Houston and DC. A lot of people talking about them. A lot of people impressed with the quarterbacks. Philip, PJ Walker, and Cardale Jones. Our power rankings are up at XFL Show. If you want to check those out on Twitter, give us your feedback uh, with the, in the comments. You know, reply to it or call in. We want to hear your voices. Seven two four five six five four XFL to call the XFL fan line. If you have your own power ra- rankings, let us hear them. Now we're gonna go and let you hear from the coach. Let's take it to our good crisp interview for this for this episode. Jonathan Coachman hosts the XFL pregame each and every single weekend on all XFL platforms, also cross digital platforms from ESPN and Fox. You could watch this before the games on Saturdays and Sundays. It's a great way to get you set for all the action in the XFL each and every single week. Highly rec- recommend watching that and then listening to our recaps of each game. And it's you'll have your perfect XFL weekend. That's what I did this past weekend. Jonathan Coachman, co-host of the XFL pregame with Elise Ashton. And we spoke with him, Bryant, a good crisp interview, good crisp football talk about everything from the state of the league here going into week three and the team separating themselves. And also what from his unique perspective as a, I mean, one of the, for us, one of our favorite all-time broadcasters, uh, and and how this league is so different from any other league when it comes to the broadcast. And he had a lot of great insight. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of this. You know, uh, Coach was a part of my childhood growing up, you know, watching him on television every single week. Uh, my history with him goes all the way back uh, to the year 2000 when the company he was here was locally for a big event. And we got into a little spat there. All fun and games, though. But it was great to talk to the coach uh, and his insight on this and how excited he was and what the XFL is providing and what they can provide and what they will continue to provide throughout the season. I think it was a lot of fun to hear uh, from a man who you didn't know was going to be a part of it until really the week before uh, the season started. And I'm actually pretty happy he's, he's a big part of this uh, going forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having him on a whole lot more. But uh, good thing you and him uh, settled that spat. What was it, like a hair versus hair match you and him had back in the day and- when WWE came to LA, uh, well, he or lost. Something. That would have been the game. <laughs> well, he would have lost, not me. Uh, I had asked him, uh, you know, I said something. And he's like, "Well, I'll be at uh, WrestleMania tomorrow, and you won't." And he walked away. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like why he's kid or something like that. He's the coach, <laughs> and you're not. And the coach rules, as far as I'm concerned. And the coach is right here on this is the XFL show for this week's good crisp interview. Good crisp football. Yeah. Jonathan Coachman now joining us on This is the XFL Show. Week two is in the books. We're going to look ahead some to week three, look back, just have a discussion here amongst fans. Enjoy the XFL Show so far. And 
Coach, you're hosting the the pregame, the XFL pregame. How are you enjoying that? How are you enjoying watching some spring football so far? I tell you what, when you figure things out and you get it right, then you see what can happen in the in the last two weeks. And 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 guys, thanks for having me on. Love the podcast. Love what you guys are doing to support the league. And I always want to be a part of this because I think I'm the only person other than uh, maybe the owner that was around at 23 years of age for the first edition of the XFL. And so many of the things, and I love people, executives, leaders that are brave enough to say, I got it wrong, but damn it, I want to make it right and let's do it again. And there are so many things that we're going to talk about over the course of the next 10 weeks, so many things that uh, they're doing that fans love, and not just fans, guys, but you see other NFL players that are showing up to the games. You see legitimate big-time uh, names like Chris Collinsworth or Troy Aikman that are not just showing up to the games, but they're taking their reputation to social media and backing the league. And that, to me, is awesome. It's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to enjoy life and have fun. And, and damn it, I've had a lot of fun the last two weeks. Oh, us too, coach. And, you know, we, we were around as fans back for the original <laughs> incarnation of the XFL. Yeah. So we're super, <laughs> we're super happy that it's back because yeah, like you said, it's football and seeing people like that put their stamp of approval. I mean, the sideline interviews with, with Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon yesterday for the LA game was just really cool to see that everybody's really into this so far two weeks in. And I mean, a lot has stood out to me as a football fan. I feel like the access most of all on the television end is incredible. What about you? It was just over Overall, one thing that you that's really stood out so far of the new XFL. I've really enjoyed the sound, and we're actually uh, on the uh, the XFL YouTube channel this week and, and social media. We're going to be implementing the star of the week, the sound of the week, the players of the week. All that stuff has been fantastic, and I got to give a lot of credit to the players because in the original XFL, we would basically uh, interview players when something good happened, and and we kind of made stuff up. This time you're getting two sideline reporters for most games, and I put it out on social media. Putting Brock Heward as a sideline guy for Fox was a brilliant move. Why? He's normally a, a, a big-time studio – or, excuse me, game analyst in the, in the booth. But you've got a really smart guy on the sidelines asking really smart questions. So even if it's a bad outcome, like a, an interception or a fumble, the player is still respecting the question, and they're answering it very well thought out very good answers to the questions, and also some, some things they don't like, which is okay. Guess what? It's okay. And so all of that access the right way has been so enjoyable to know uh, what goes into play calling, what the uh, review official is thinking about as he's reviewing a play, all that kind of stuff. And you mark my words. There were a lot of things the original XFL that the NFL adopted from there you better believe that there are several things that the NFL is going to take from the XFL uh, for safety, but also for entertainment purposes. And I think you you bring it up the the trust that the players have in some of the sideline interviewers is really coming through. You I saw in week two a whole new level of comfort from a lot of the players already. I mean, some you had some players staring right into the camera or summoning the camera to come over to them. They're they're really looking forward to this part of the game now. Uh, I mean, you think as the field as the uh, season goes on, they get better on the field. I think, but I think these players are going to improve their interview skills and techniques throughout the season. Well, I, I work, you know, I do PGA Tour events. I work with the PGA of America. I work with a lot of different companies. And one of the things that I bring to the table when I tell them whenever we start a relationship is I learn from Vince 
how to create stars, how to, to, to look at everything as entertainment, no matter what it is. And so when I see a player realize and understand that the more they are likable, the more they let their true selves out and with their helmets off, because most of the time you see a big guy at a restaurant, you're like, man, does he play in the NFL or X or whatever? But now you're getting to see these guys, you're getting to see their faces, and they're understanding that their brand can be a brand within the brand. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The brand within the brand. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. So, so the, the more we're going to see it, you're exactly right. The more the season goes along, the more the players are going to understand what it's all about. But what they can't do is try to make something manufactured or make it a, a fake reaction. What we've seen is authentic, in-the-moment uh, athletic reaction, which has been fantastic. Well, coach, it's not just the, the players, right? The, the coaches are getting exposure, too. Yesterday, we saw a battle between Moss and Hal Mummy uh, in that L.A.-Dallas game. What about the access we're getting to these coaches and, and the, the booths and the offensive coordinators calling plays? That's got to be something revolutionary that, that everyone is super happy to see. That's one of the things that, that, that we did right this time is getting the right football people in place. All the coaches, the coordinators are legitimate uh, have most of them have NFL experience. Uh, and now like a guy like Pep Hamilton is having a chance to be a head coach and show the world uh, with full access to how he calls plays, uh, how uh, confident he is in the play. I don't know if you remember, uh, but they had great sound from Pep on the first touchdown from Cardell Jones to Tompkins, where you could mm-hmm. hear him talking as the play was developing. And you're like, there he is. So a dime touchdown. Thank you very much. I mean, you can't get any better than that. There's not an announcer on planet Earth that could do it better than hearing a coach call the play as it's developing. So I know a lot of the coaches, though, they're very old school. And you, you guys know this, that coaches are very old school. They don't like the fact that you can hear all the plays being called and that you can figure out what play they are running. But a true genius, a true Andy Reid type or Kyle Shanahan type, will have 10 different choices from one, one place where you put uh, four different wide receivers, one formation. So you could have 10 plays from that formation, 10 plays from a different formation. So, yes, we're hearing the plays, but are you able to figure out where the quarterback is going to? So you're starting to look, guys, and, and fans are starting to figure out how much of a job the quarterback has, uh, how fast the game develops, how fast the, the, the calls come in. So we're starting to see behind the curtain – but it's not getting in the way of really good football. And that's the other big part of this, guys. The football's been really good, and a lot of points are being scored. Coach, I'm going to take you to our power rankings here because really, is there any better team right now than Houston? I mean, they're looking phenomenal down there. They're scoring left and right. Uh, Houston's really taking advantage of all these rules that are geared towards the offense and making themselves a good football team. Well, you got P.J. Walker. And I had somebody on on, uh, Twitter today. We've got so many good questions because people are – uh, they're excited. They're curious. They're like, could we see 12 teams? Could, you know, all these questions that they have after a successful week two. And the thing is, the way the league is set up is you want to have a good quarterback on every team so that there is parity, uh, there, there's competitive uh, freedom. And when you have a guy like P.J. Walker, who in my opinion has really stood out as the best player so far in the XFL, he's dynamic, he's fast, he's quick. He throws a beautiful ball, and for a guy like him, this is exactly, exactly what the XFL is made for. You, you saw the story over the weekend where uh, Andrew Luck 
uh, was talking about how he told his father, who's the commissioner, that P.J. Walker's the guy. P.J. Walker uh, should be the guy in the XFL. And now you watch. I would be shocked if P.J. Walker, you don't hear more and more from him in the next couple of years because he's getting this opportunity as a starting black quarterback in the XFL to show that he can not only run, but he can throw. And those opportunities don't come around every day, guys. And that's where the XFL fits in. And people need to understand we're not trying to compete with the NFL. We're trying to give players like P.J. Walker a chance to showcase his skills and play the game of football. And that has been fantastic. Oh, I've been saying, Coach, there's no there's no more fun player to watch so far than P.J. Walker, Texas Ranger. He is running around out there <laughs> making huge plays. I mean, he's, he's so efficient with the football, too, at the same time. He's been really protective of it, making these big, long throws, looking razzling, dazzling. I mean, he's so far the big standout, but you're right. This guy was being stashed away on on the Colts, you know, way down the Colts' depth chart, and we never got to get a look at him as fans as a pro. And now he's out there in the XFL, and we, we get to see him in the XFL doing his thing. It's been spectacular so far. I love what the Roughnecks and June Jones are doing offensively. And then we're, we're approaching week three, and the Roughnecks have, have a really big opportunity, I think, to kind of put the, put the stamp down on the Tampa Bay Vipers season. The, the, going 0-3 could be pretty detrimental to, to your club, don't you think? Uh, in week three, we have Tampa Bay and L.A. both staring that in the face. L.A. taking on D.C., Tampa against Houston. Those are some must-win situations for those teams. If I'm Tampa and I walked in the locker room after – losing in Seattle, and I looked at the schedule and I said, wait a second. So I've got Houston coming to my home opener next week for week three, and I'm 0-2. That's not the team that I want to see coming to my house when I'm trying to figure things out. And I know that in all likelihood, I've got to score at least 20-plus points to have a chance to win this game. I said yesterday on the show that the reason the Vipers are struggling, there's a lot, but you cannot have uh, rotating quarterbacks and you're rotating them during the drive. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that before consistently in a football game where on first down you have one quarterback, then second down a different one, then third down a different one. It makes no sense, and they wonder why they can't get any consistency and why the quarterbacks can't get in the flow. Well, they're coming in and out like they're playing wide receiver or running back. So you're bringing P.J. Walker to your house, not something good for the Vipers. Now, I love in the East, guys, I love D.C., I love the defenders. I love Cardell Jones. He's becoming almost the face of the league through two weeks if it's not P.J. Walker. And now D.C. has to go all the way out here to the West Coast and play L.A. We'll see how they travel. They had a nice start, two games at home, but now they have to go on the road, and we'll see how they play away from home. Well, L.A. is going to be hosting D.C., and they bounced back. You know, a lot of people were calling it a must-win already. I thought it was a little too early. It just seemed like they needed to change things, and they did. Uh, close game in 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 uh, against Dallas, excuse me. Uh, but New York also just did not look good. They look like a complete 180 team. Which team do you think is in a better position right now? Is it LA? Is it New York? Or, or is there even a team worse than them? Well, I mean, T- Tampa's not good because let's let's face it. In this league, <laughs> you got to score points or you you can't win. And through the first two weeks, they've scored 12 total points. That's not good. And another thing that I really focused on in the show this week that I think people need to start realizing is the coaches and the players have to change their mindset about football. What do I mean by that? What I mean is when you're down 17 going into the fourth quarter, traditional football tells you what? 
if you're on fourth down, you kick a field goal, right? Well, in the XFL, it's only a two-score game, not a three-score game. So you have to change what you're doing, what you're thinking about. And as a coaching staff, Tampa needs to do that. Because Mark Trestman, he's coached in the NFL as a head coach before. Come on. you got to be better than that. And then for me, the Guardians, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde, but how great was the sound from Matt McGloin? <laughs> I've never seen a quarterback. Never seen a quarterback bury his <laughs> offense coordinator, bury the game plan, and say, we've got to throw the entire thing out the window. Then the follow-up question was, what do you have to change? The whole damn thing. He says the whole thing. <laughs> so that, that to me was the highlight of week one. And then after halftime, this is something you don't get in the NFL that hopefully they'll get to is you had a coach who was asked about his player bearing the entire game plan. And the offense coordinator played it very well. He was a professional. Then you see Gilbride go over and have a little chat with his quarterback. Those are things that you never know the backstory, but now you do. And how much more invested are you now in Matt McGloin to see what he does next week when he has to go to St. Louis and come back from a horrible uh, effort and performance where he got benched in the fourth quarter? Uh, and St. Louis, you talk about a hard luck loser yesterday. They've been really good. They've got a really good quarterback. And St. Louis is very excited about having a team back after the Rams left. So that's a very difficult ask for McGloin and New York to go into St. Louis this week. Oh, absolutely. We're anticipating a very special atmosphere in St. Louis, Coach, for that home opener. Brian and I made it a point. We, we had to get down there. We want to be there, a part of it. So we're going. And, you know, Seattle and Houston fans have really come out in full force for their team. But I have a feeling St. Louis is going to do the same, if not better. Do you think they're going to go out there and prove that St. Louis is a football town this weekend against New York? What do you expect from those fans, the Battlehawks fans? I I was born and raised in Kansas. I went to the Super Bowl. I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. When you come from the Midwest, there is very little else uh, to bring people together in these types of cities than sports teams. And when you lose a sports team, it's like it's like taking your, your heart and just stomping on it. If, if my Chiefs ever left Kansas City, I would be destroyed. And so when you lose an NFL team like the Rams did to go to L.A., and now you don't have one, and now you bring an XFL team in, that is a recipe for beautiful, uh, a beautiful marriage, incredible emotion, because these fans are starving for a football team. And that's why it was genius to put a team in St. Louis, because these uh, areas that really love football and really are starving for a good team, let's face it, in Dallas, they're starving for a good team. So it's smart to put a team there. So it was all of these cities are really embracing uh, their teams, but I, I don't think there's going to be a city that embraces their team more than what you guys are going to see this weekend in St. Louis. Oh, we can't wait. Yeah, the Battlehawks team looks good. Like you said, the defense was getting after P.J. Walker yesterday, and Jordan Tamu looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the XFL so far, so a huge home opener for them in Week 3. And We're going to try to get you some good insight, Coach, to the goings-on in St. Louis for the for the Sunday pregame show. And I don't know, well, if, if the show's a success, I don't know if you're down. We're down for one of those Bud Light Seltzer shotgun parties. They look pretty fun. <laughs> Uh, I said there ain't no party like a Bud Light seltzer party. I mean, I, I, I it, it's hard to put that into context on on when you're actually shotgunning a seltzer made by Bud Light 
it, it, it almost seems like it, the three things don't go together unless they're put together. <laughs> and when they're put together, it's a beautiful thing. And now you got teams that are competing with seltzer uh, parties. So it, it, it's fun. And, again, it's something new. And I, it, if people take nothing out of this any more than this, because a lot of fans have realized what this is, whether they're listening to your podcast and your love of the XFL, my love of getting to work for uh, the greatest company in the world for 20 years now and now expanding back into the XFL, whatever it is, and maybe it's because of guys what we've gone through the last couple of weeks. And, and I know that I, you know, you know, I fly out of the same airport as Kobe Bryant did every, every single week. And I have been reinvigorated for my love of sport and the fact that sports is my life. It is how I make my living, my entire adult life. And I think because of what we've all gone through that the XFL started in a weird way at the right time. Because now we can, instead of being critical and saying, oh, gosh, what is this? I think a lot of people are embracing it and saying, you know what? I don't need to think this way anymore. I want to start loving sports again because I know how important these sports figures are in my life because so many people connected with Kobe Bryant. And so now they're, they're saying, this is fun. And for three months in the springtime, we can still have our football. And then it ends, and now the summer's here. And then the NFL will come back. And I think that's why we're getting such a positive reaction from everybody is because it's not that serious. Let's just have fun and allow players a chance to make a living playing a game that they love and they're really good at. It's as simple as that. It really is, Coach. I've been selling this this XFL as just football with a lot of fun, uh, and I think a lot of people are buying into it. Uh, so, Coach, your show every single Saturday and Sunday, XFL uh, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash XFL uh, before every kickoff. Oh, so, yeah, every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we also distribute it on all the uh, – the digital plat- uh, platforms for ESPN, uh, for Fox. Uh, we've got live reports from the games every week. You guys will be a part of the show uh, this Sunday. And then we're also expanding our content into uh, during the week as well. We want people to be thinking about the XFL and put a smile on their face at least once a day, every single day. So go to the XFL social pages on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, on YouTube, and we'll have stuff up there almost every single day. And then the, uh, the show is up there all day on Saturday around 1 p.m. Eastern time and then around 2 p.m. Eastern time uh, every Sunday as well. More football in the spring is a beautiful thing, Coach. We're loving it so far, and we appreciate you talking some football with us today on This is the XFL Show, and uh, we'll get you good, some good stuff from St. Louis this weekend. Can't wait, boys. Have a great time. Travel safe, and uh, can't wait to be on again. Thank you. Jonathan Coachman, the coach. Catch him on XFL pregame this Saturday and Sunday, and uh, we'll hopefully get him some good stuff from St. Louis. Vince, uh, the coach there, it's really, really telling you from his unique perspective how these interviews are only going to get better and better as the year goes on. Stars will be born. Yeah, there's no doubt about this, and you know, you know, uh, you know, folk building, building interest in, in individual players is, is important to get people attached to them. And that's something that, you know, you know, regardless of, you know, the play on the field, you know, whether it's a, you know, a boring game or an exciting game, people are going to want to tune in to see, you know, what are these guys going to say, you know, as soon as they get off the field, it has not disappointed as of yet. Well, we thank the coach and we look forward to having him on the show uh, many more times throughout the season. And uh, you could catch that interview in full, uh, if you want to separ- listen to it again, it'll be up on the U- XFL YouTube 
and uh, listen to it over and over again, along with all of our good crisp interviews we have here on This is the XFL Show. Uh, what do you say we get into all those games over uh, from week two and then look ahead to what each team has in front of them going into week number three? It's time for the hot read. You got to get on your horse now, Rashad. All right, we're going to briefly recap each game and then look ahead for each team from each game from week two, starting with the D.C. Defenders and New York Guardians, a 27-0 shutout, Vince. A cover by, I mean, the biggest cover, a great cover, and also a very, very uh, big moment now for the Guardians, I think, going forward. Uh, listen to what Kevin Gilbride, ESPN caught this, or ABC caught this after the game with their access in the New York Guardians locker room. This is fascinating. One of two things happen when you get your butt feet like we did. You either come together or you splinter. It's one way or the other. With the example of the fight that you did at the end, I'm hoping that's going to be the way we go. I believe that's the type of character we have in this team. This is nobody's fault except mine. i got to do a better job getting us ready. Bottom line, when you talk to the press, you talk to everybody else, just give your compliments to them. Say they played a great game. Don't say anything bad about anything. If anyone asks you, did somebody else do something? Could they have done it better? That's none of your business. Don't answer for anybody else. Just answer for yourself. Amazing. When do you ever get to hear something like that from a locker room after a game, Vince? The question is, which way do the Guardians go? Does New York splinter or do they come together after that shutout loss to the dc defenders uh, it's <laughs> i don't know it does not look good right now for the guardians uh and you know that may, maybe you know they do need to make a change at quarterback i don't know you know i mean it's it, it was it was a rough game for them no doubt about that uh and you know considering how easy it was for them in, in the first week so it, this is I'm still haven't figured this team out quite yet. You know, I mean, are they th this defense obviously has, uh, you know, a lot of talent on it. But, you know, offensively, it just seems very inconsistent. Yeah, very, very inconsistent. One inconsistent for 11. Nice. <laughs> yeah, one for 11 on third down. Uh, and the, the defense making big plays in week one, made, like you said, Vince, made it easy for him. But this week you played the defenders and they were efficient. They, they were. You know, almost 400 yards of total offense. Uh, they were 50% on third down. Pep Hamilton just pick, picking guys apart. You know, eyeing uh, the Guardians DBs, which ones to pick on, and, you know, sending the right guys after him, whether it was Eli Rogers or Rashad Ross. I mean, he was cooking on all cylinders as, as a play caller. Cardell Jones was executing. The Guardians defense, I thought, they buckled down a little bit. They got, you know, they made some plays where they, the offense, if they could have got anything going, could have made a game of it, Bryant. So I'm still a believer in that defense, but that offense has maybe the longest way to go of any offense in this league so far. They do not look like they're even taking a step forward in the right direction just yet two weeks in. Well, I, you got to put that Vipers uh, offense on, the, they on move, that list. They move the ball, though. They move the ball, though. <laughs> but, so the New York Guardians almost were my Who Made Bryant Look Good award for this week because I had said that if, if New York allows the defenders to move the ball the way the Vipers did, that the defenders were going to finish, and they did. 
and and they weren't able to stop them as much as they were able to stop the Vipers. That bend don't break mentality only works if your offense can get some points. That offense did not look good uh, at all through that that entire game. And you talk about whether they splinter or come together. Uh, they got to go to the Battle Dome next week, where there's going to be thirty thousand fans uh, yearning for football and yearning for a team to cheer for. And that's not going to be easy. Not the best game uh, to hit uh, on the road Oof. when you're trying to figure things out. Yeah, I don't know which team do you rather not be this week the the Guardians uh, going on the road to take on St. Louis or Tampa looking for your first win and you have the Roughnecks coming to town in your home opener. I'd rather be the Guardians. I think they have the the easier task, but uh, I don't know about at the that. same time. Easy. Yeah, I don't know about time they may have more. They may have more issues. The the Battle Dome man and the Battle Hawks look like oh man, they look good. They look good in the loss. Some people said they should have won, and we'll get in that game in just a second. But uh, what about the McGloin comments, Vince? Are those forgivable? Do you think they can move forward with him as the quarterback and water under the bridge? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't. Be- I don't put any stock into what he said you know people people say stuff in the moment like that um I, but at the same time I, I don't think he's a very good quarterback so you know if they made a change you know it, it would not bother me uh especially you know a guy like marquise williams who i believe is on the bench there i would love to see him get a shot uh i, I think he could really do some things that could help out the, this uh this program uh, well, the Guardians, they, they're going to try to get it right. They have to go to the Battle Dome. Battle Hawks home opener. Very tough task. If you're tr- if you're in the state they're in, too, that is not a fun fun uh, situation for Week 3 for them. For D.C., they go across the country to take on L.A. Bryant. And I'm trying to look at the defenders and how you know they've scored in every facet of the game. They've been efficient. Their Pep Hamilton seems to be getting a grasp of what these players can do. He's got... A couple of wideouts who are capable of huge games, I think, in Rashad Ross and Tompkins. And then you've got a super reliable Eli Rogers and Cardell Jones. As long as he, you know, smart with the football, they could pretty much do anything. Is is there a weakness for the defenders you've seen yet in two weeks? Or are they all around just solid? <sighs> I hate to put just solid on them after two weeks, but... I guess the explosiveness on the run is is what's probably limiting their their capabilities on the passing game a little bit. I'd like to see some more explosive runs out of you know Pumphrey or Presley uh, going forward. Uh, overall, they're doing pretty good in terms of just grinding out some yards, but you want to see that run game kind of pick up a little bit. But Pet Hamilton, like I said, he's 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 like a well old machine right now. He's he's doing what needs to be done and and being right, and that that takes a lot of of preparation and. I mean, you know, I'm going to call it preparation uh, going forward. And <laughs> you do that and put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those wide receivers, he's got a good core there. Cardell Jones becoming the face of this league is, is absolutely awesome. But two home games. And so now the road is going to be a test. The L.A. Wildcats uh, field, you know, that, that place was loud. I said, you know, they ha- they've had more fans cheering for the same team in a stadium than any other football team. Uh, since the original <laughs> XFL in 2001. So it'll be, and they got to go all the way across country. You know, this is not an easy flight just to, they're not taking a bus ride or a quick little trip down south. It's 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 a long ways there. It'll be a good test for them. I think LA is coming off a game where they're, they're a lot better than people were giving them credit for after week one. So this is no sleeper. It's going to be a good game. Well, I was just going to say you got you got a uh, early line here that I, that I'll throw as the defenders are an eight point favorite 
right now against the Wildcats. Wow, on the road, and that of course is a sun the Sunday evening game, six p.m. Eastern in Week Three. That's on FS1, and of course that Guardians and. Uh, St. Louis Battlehawks game in the Battle Dome is right before that game, 3 p.m. Eastern this Sunday. And uh, man, the two different two teams going in different directions there from the XFL East in DC and New York. Let's let's recap now the second game from Week Two's Saturday slate when Seattle beat Tampa Bay 17 to nine. Intercepted and touchdown! Wow! What a play! All right. Has anyone ever seen a touchdown scored like that in anything other than a video game? Because I can't, I, I could not believe, I couldn't believe that his hand stuck on that football. That was insane. Marcel Frazier's touchdown, the pick six for the Seattle Dragons in that game. And Vince, that was, I don't know what was more baffling, that or the fact that Quentin Flowers was uh, throwing a screen pass from his own end zone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, some some curious play calling there, but you know that that guy, he was right, Frazier, he was right there, and, <laughs> and he made the play. <laughs> That's all I can really say about it. Brian, you ever <laughs> seen a touchdown scored like that? Never in my life. I've never seen a basket scored like that in a basketball game. It was very impressive. I, uh, <laughs> go ahead, Vince. Oh, I, I, I want in. I want to say it was Madden '97. <laughs> or, no, maybe it was, uh, maybe ninety eight. No, no, it was Madden sixty four. Excuse me, Madden sixty four. First Madden game on, on Nintendo sixty four. I once blocked a punt with Jason Gilden of all players, and the ball just stuck right to his hands in the end zone. I think that's just because you were playing on Nintendo sixty four. Who played Madden on sixty four? I digress. Go, Brian. I did. I did. Uh, no, I remember exactly when I saw this play, and I just it just kind of popped in my head because I think I was actually rewatching the game last night. Uh, it was in the Water Boy when Adam Sandler, <laughs> you know, went up and grabbed the field goal and took it all the way to the house. Video uh, games game. and movies is where you see touchdowns like that scored. <laughs> Alan, you remember when Marcel Frazier showed up and the 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 dragons beat the 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 Vipers. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I remember it. It wasn't the Bourbon Bowl, though. It was not. No, it was not. Um, what What about the – okay, so we talked about the Quinton Flowers in his own end zone, uh, you know, throwing that pass. He was in there, and then Taylor Cornelius was in there, and then Flowers was in there, and they were rotating seemingly like they, like Coach said, like they were running backs. Is that sustainable? Does that have to end in week three, Vince? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, if you got – if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Um, th- this was just not a good look here. Um, it, it, I think you got to stick with. If it was me, I, I would have gone with Cornelius, and I would have just subbed in, you know, uh, Flyers as a, as a gadget type player, um, or you just got to commit to to using Flyers altogether, uh, and, and just go and just go with him, or you call Team Nine. I, I'm not quite sure which one of those you got to do, but um, it, it, it's not a good situation right now, now in Tampa. Again, the Vipers outgain uh, uh, their opponent. They're better on third down. They're an op- their opponent, Bryant. They they threw more. They ran more. They, they just turned the ball over and couldn't punch it in from the red zone. 
Couldn't get an offensive touchdown. This team has just one thing to figure out. And when they do, I think things will change. But they have the Houston, by God, Roughnecks coming in Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern for their home opener at Raymond James Stadium. 0-3 for a team that some sports books were picking to win the championship. Biggest shocker we might see this weekend in week three if they lose. It, it, but if they win, how big of a shocker would that be? Honestly, it would, honestly, it would not be because I feel like they have the tools. They have the players. This is a mental thing. I don't know if it's a on the coaching side or the player side. They, they've got the numbers. Punch it through, man. Get in the end zone. I think they lead the league in total offensive yards, you know, gained. And and it's just astonishing that they have not been able to find that end zone. Like you mentioned, Daniel, again, 0 for 3 in this red zone. That's 0 for 7 on the season. I Obviously, you're not going to win football games uh, when you're playing like that. And, and that's just truth uh, being proven by the Vipers. Uh, Vince, I will say this, though. Just because you have two quarterbacks, it doesn't mean that you have none. But when you play two quarterbacks the way the Vipers, that yeah. means you have none. Yes. Because right now the Roughnecks have two quarterbacks, and they're doing pretty good. I will say that. Maybe Viper, maybe the Vipers need to give a call down to uh, Houston and see what they can do to get Connor Cook uh, maybe in a Vipers uniform <laughs> or something like that. Because, but could that team have done better with Aaron Murray at the helm? I think so. And I know, Vince, you're a huge uh, Taylor Cornelius a fan, but Aaron Murray, you know, he was a part of that offense that, that got some yards in New York in week one. If he was a part of that offense in week two, I think we would have seen a different outcome. You you might be right. And I, I would love to see a larger sample size from Aaron Murray. And, you know, I said this uh, on last one of last week's programs was that, you know, this kid has a tremendous arm. He's, he's incredibly talented. It's just that, you know, in the big moments when the lights come on, uh, it just in his professional career just hasn't worked out, and I'm a little afraid we're going to see more of the same. But I think you know we, we really got to give this kid a chance. I'd love to see him, you know, more practice time out there w- with his team, and I, I think he can make something happen. I really do. A single quarterback, I think, can make a lot happen for this team. We talked about it in the post game, Alan, to the recap. The Vipers, maybe their game plan was to do this, but it was not a good game plan. They really should have stuck with one quarterback, whichever one that may have been, would have been fine. But but stick with one quarterback, get your team some momentum. This start, stop, start, stop type of thing with your quarterback, not what the especially the XFL game with that short play clock is not what this is meant for. Uh, so you really got to shape up. I'm putting this one a little bit on Mark Trestman and the coaching staff uh, in terms of the play calling. Can you imagine if Matt McGloin was a part of this team and the coverage you would have got if he get getting pulled out and in and out and in of that game? That, that would have been uh, some good television as well. <laughs> Do you think he would have said, we need to quit putting quitting flowers in the game and leave me out there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, the Vipers are certainly fascinating, but I did see some Dragons fans Actually, in YouTube comments saying, everyone's talking about the other team and we beat them. Their 17-9 victory and for the Dragons. Their amazing home opener. The crowd was tremendous, super loud. Uh, you know, the Vipers said as much that it was it was tough to play in. And they only needed one huge or two huge plays. That pick we talked about in Keenan Reynolds with a giant touchdown catch from Brandon Silvers, Vince. Brandon Silvers, not great. Seven of 18, 91 yards. But the one play got it done. What about the Seattle Dragons moving forward? I see a team that, you know, needs to run the damn ball more. 
and they could play yes. some they <laughs> yeah. could play some some good defense. So I think they they they're pl- also they only threw the ball eighteen times too though. So I don't know how much more of a of a balance you could get, or unless you t- completely lean run. What do you do if you're the Seattle Dragons to fix the offense because they're not right oh, I- either. No, but they, I think they know who they are. You know, in the first week we were talking about how they threw too much um, and, and it was really some costly turnovers and they could have be- beaten the defenders here. You know, they stuck more to their game plan. Uh, you know, they got some, they've, they got some good running backs. Uh, their defense is much better than I think a lot of us were giving them credit for. And, you know, they came out of here with a victory and I, I was very impressed by these guys and I do not sleep on this Seattle dragons team. one bit. I, I think that they uh, have a chance to make the playoffs. I really do. I mean, I think they need to go total running attack. I think 18 throws might've been a little bit too much. It was 31 rushes to 18 passes. The three running backs also balanced. They each got about 10 carries Gardner uh, Williams and of course, Pharaoh um, or Williams actually got 11. So he got one more than the other guys, but they all were pretty productive. Uh, Gardner is your, your, your big play guy. You're trying to get, you know, out there to juke someone and take off. He wasn't able to only 27 yards. But I think if you keep hammering those guys, eventually a guy like Gardner is going to get one. Uh, Williams has the jukies too. Farrell will run guys over. He's super Super reliable, I think. I I mean, I say go all out running if you're the Seattle Dragons. But, yeah, you're right, Vince. They looked pretty impressive, jumped up our power rankings. The defense looked solid, made plays, made stops in the red zone. But was that just them playing the Vipers? We'll see. The Dragons have a tough test now. They're at home, but they have the Dallas Renegades coming into town on Saturday, 5 p.m. PM Eastern on Fox. Uh, should be a really fun game to watch because – Bob Stoops, how mummy coaching in that atmosphere. Ooh, I don't know how fast how yeah. mummy's going to be able to get his guys going with no one able to hear him. Get on the ball. I mean, don't let him rest. Get on the ball. I mean, just looking at this opening line here that I'm seeing, uh, we're looking at the, the the Renegades, a four and a half point favorite on the highway here. I I'm not quite sure what to make of this line in uh, a two. Two one and one teams going well, at it. Two well, teams. It's, it's, it's simple, Vince. Seattle lost against a good quarterback and won against a bad quarterback. Landry Jones playing better is going to make it. I, I think we're, we're making a little too much of what the Dragons were able to do because of what the Vipers didn't do this past week. Seattle should have won this game. They did win this game. Neither team looked impressive. We talked about that in our recap as well, Alan. It was not a press, an impressive game for either one of these teams. I don't think neither one. I didn't think Seattle was like, oh, hey, this is the best team now uh, of, of the league or one of the better teams. They, they came out because the Vipers just weren't that good. I didn't say the Dragons won the game. The Vipers lost that game uh, more so than anything. And the Dragons have a lot to do as well because uh, Brandon Silvers did not look great. They weren't able to run the ball as much as you'd think they'd want to. The defense, yes, looked good, but you got to remember who they were going against. And that's a Vipers offense that hasn't scored a touchdown this season. Oh, Dragons fans aren't going to be happy to hear that, but I don't know. I might have to agree, Bryant. The the Seattle Dragons, they benefited a lot. They capitalized a lot, but can they go take a victory and beat out a team like Dallas? I think, uh, you know, we might might change our tune next week if they're able to do it at home, but I love the chip on the Seattle Dragons fans' shoulders, especially on social media. Uh, They they came out in full force, so kudos to them. It was really cool to watch on TV. Uh, Let's take it now. To the game Bryant was at, the Dallas Renegades, they beat the L.A. Wildcats 
25 to 18. That's a cover, and that happened maybe because well, the Wildcats just couldn't hold on to the ball, even in the red zone. We do ball security drills on a weekly basis, and I've done it and on my past team, and I was very, very successful at doing it. And right now, it seems to be somewhat of a, of a, in two games into the season, seems to be still somewhat of an issue. So that's, that's, that's got to get corrected. I don't think it's a, a personnel issue. That's coming from a question that someone asked Coach Winston Moss about the fumbles and if it's a personnel issue, which is code word for is Elijah Hood fumble prone and Moss defending his running back there. Vince, what'd you think of the two fumbles? The one on the red zone killed LA. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's just unfortunate, but you know, yeah, I don't care what caused it at the end of the day, you got to hold on to that football. And like you said, they, they could have came out with a win here. Uh, had they done that, just, uh, just disappointing, disappointing on, on offense, but also I, I wouldn't let, leave this defense off the hook either. Uh, they just could not stop the run. At the end of the game, what, they were gassed. I mean, flat out. How Mummy ran him into the ground, and he took advantage. And that was the moment. You you, you saw it at the end. Cameron Artis Payne got a bunch of those uh, yards at the end of the game when the Wildcats' defense just couldn't couldn't keep up anymore. And I, I forget who was co- who uh, which one of the commentators made uh, pointed this out, but you know they kept talking about how the safeties for the Wildcats were playing deep. They, they wouldn't get up in the box and, and make Landry Jones uh, beat him with the pass, and they just kind of laid back and just, just took it on the chin repeatedly uh, by by this uh, Renegades rushing attack. Uh, and and it, it was something to see. I mean, they, they, those, those cats put on a show. That was uh, – that was – disconcerting I think if you're an LA Wildcats fan seeing that defense at the end of the game and I want to see how Winston Moss tries to remedy that now that he's taken over the defense Bryant uh, but for the Renegade side they they had a good old-fashioned air raid game 444 offensive yards even on a bad day for Landry Jones I mean it was a lot of it was that running attack but you know they they started to get cooking and I mean if that's that's Landry Jones in a bad game what do you expect from Dallas moving forward, Brian? Landry Jones, it was good. It was good to see Landry Jones back for the Renegades. I'll, I'll say that for sure. If that's Landry Jones in a bad game, yeah, that's that bodes well for the Dallas Renegades. 444 total yards of offense, our first 400 yard uh, performance by an offense. Also, Landry Jones, our first 300 yard performance by a quarterback. Uh, that's a bad Landry Jones. That's just a very interesting Landry Jones to me. Maybe he's maybe he's just swerving us a little bit there and actually telling us that he was had a bad game, uh, but. You know the, the the Wildcats had their spurts and their moments, and and we we saw our first three point conversion uh, in oh, XFL history in this epic. game. That was pretty great to be a part Beautiful. of. We didn't even mention the double forward pass in the, uh, the in the DC game that we saw. But so so the Wildcats, I, I think they they had enough to to come out with the victory. They had that chance at the end with that last drive to see if they could actually pull this one out. Uh, but you're right; they were gassed. They could not stop the run for for any. You know, I think Cameron Norris Payne ran at a, what for like ten, maybe fifteen yards out uh, to close that game, pretty much in the fourth quarter. Uh, but LA has some signs of good of a good football team. I think Nelson Spruce at the end of the game basically said, 
We're, no one's going to be – no one's matching us talent-wise. We just have to stop shooting us in a foot in, in our own foot is basically what he said. Uh, the LA Wildcats were also like one one block away, I think, from running back a kickoff, oh, uh, which would have yeah. been the first in XFL history too. So, uh, But I think both teams had some positive strides out of this game. I mentioned that earlier as well that, you know, neither one of these teams, it was it a must win? No, but it was a must change. Uh, I think for both teams and especially for LA. And I think they came out with success with a successful um, game plan going forward. Uh, you got to hold on to that rock. You know, when you, when you fumble twice in the red zone, you're not going to win many football games and the LA Wildcats didn't. Yeah. The, uh, the Wildcats, you know, they, well, let me just say they've got the best return man. And that Carter, he was, he was fun to watch. And then, the, th- the three-point attempt, Vince, I've been waiting to ask you about this. What would you think about Moss? Didn't really need to go for three there, but he did, and they got within one. They got it. What would you think of that call? Well, I mean, you know, Bryant, he talked to Coach Moss and said that, you know, Coach Moss said he was going to be going for three all the time. So I wasn't really that surprised <laughs> uh, to see him do it. Uh, it was an interesting call. It worked out. Um, but... <laughs> I don't, as we've seen in this league, you know, the conversion rate isn't, isn't too high. Uh, and so, but you know, maybe this is going to encourage more teams to go for three. Uh, once you see start something become successful and maybe the Wildcats need to do that. They maybe they need to get more aggressive on the touchdowns that they do score. I like, I like that thinking aggressive on the conversions because why not? Uh, I think aggression on the conversions in the next game, we're going to talk about, uh, would have helped out but real quick here are the games for these teams la hosting dc in week three that's the last game of the weekend sunday 6 p.m eastern on fs1 and then these dallas renegades as we said are traveling to seattle that's a saturday kickoff at 5 p.m eastern on fox now we'll go to the last game from week two it was uh arguably the best game uh it was it was the best game i thought uh because well it, at the end of it one team's arguing they might have won the game if it weren't for maybe a, a missed call and missed opportunities. The St. Louis Battlehawks falling to the Houston Roughnecks 28-24 to in Week 2 action. The Roughnecks improving to 2-0, and the Battlehawks go into 1-1 a week away from their home opener. Here's Coach Jonathan Hayes talking about that missed offsides call that everybody on social media in Battlehawk land is talking about. The play that probably broke our back was the uh, um, the interception and, and the return that uh, our players felt that you know it was a offsides. I'll have to see it on tape, but like I told them before, there's no whistle. You got to keep playing. Got to go get the guy on the ground. You can't you can't stand there and watch and think that they're going to throw a flag, even if there is instant replay, because they can still blow the call. So. Uh, that's on me because it start, starts at the very top. It start, starts with me. Did Houston get away with one, Vince? Uh, maybe, but, uh, you know, maybe on that particular play. But at the end of the day, uh, this, this game really shouldn't have been this close. And I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but th- this St. Louis team, I, I think, has an excellent defense. Uh, I've been very impressed with these guys, but I think this offense is just very smoke and mirrors to me. Uh, they're they're a screen pass offense. That, that's that's really if it, it, I think I counted three huge screen passes uh, that they were able to convert on 
Uh, I think two of them went for touchdowns. Uh, the one, I believe it was in the first half, maybe. It, they were backed up, you know, a third and 16 or something. And then that one uh, late in the game, uh, that they had even when the game was out of reach, that but was still very important for the number. Um, you know, they, they they converted that law, that uh, wide receiver screen. I mean, you know, if you take that kind of stuff away, which you know, really they shouldn't be gaining that kind of yards uh, on on those kind of plays. Uh, then you know, this score is is way more you know lopsided. I, I just was not that impressed by St. Louis's offense as some are going to be. But wow. Vince, I, how can you say that? Like that is because if you can run the ball and gain ten yards for every carry when you're not supposed to, don't you continue to run the ball? I mean, that's the same thing with the screen pass. Well, I they're think able they're to get 15, 20 too. yards with the screen pass. They had some nasty RPOs in this game too. And at the end of the game, after Tomu had been handing it off all game, he kept it and he he broke away and got scored a touchdown. I mean, they're going to be able to do all kinds of different things from screens to RPOs. And I think throwing down the field, Vince, is maybe where they're. They're lacking a little bit, but they have a lot of other options on offense that, and they're able to execute. I, that's why they, I think people were impressed. Well, well, I'll say this, you know, you know, we're we're dealing with a young a young talent here in, in Tamu, and you know, they're not asking him to do too much. I guess is what I, what I'm saying. You know, they're keeping the game plan relatively simple. They're building uh, their offense around his strengths. And, and you could argue that this is one of the better coaching jobs done in the entire league as far as, you know, building a game plan. And, that you know, they're not like Matt McGloin and, and they want to throw out their game plan. They actually <laughs> like what they're doing. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm, you know, by that way, I'm, in, I'm impressed. I'm just not sure how sustainable this is going to be. I think there's going to need to be another level. They're going to need to get vertical at some point. Uh, especially whenever they get up against some of these bigger, te- uh, better teams, because you know at the end of the day they still only scored 24 points, um, and they in the first game I think they only scored 15. So it's not like you know this is lighting lighting the world on fire. Whenever they went up against a strong offensive team uh, like Houston, uh, Houston was able to just outscore them, re- regardless of how good their defense was. Well, that second half though, Alan, we mentioned it again in that recap, that second half for Houston was not pretty, not pretty at all. They scored one touchdown. That's because they got to start from their own five yard line, uh, when their, their defense came up big. So there were some question marks there. I think St. Louis figured them out. Alan, you said they were blitzing Houston like crazy, putting people in PJ Walker's face. Uh, that a lot of free shots. Maybe on something Walker. Yeah, maybe something that Houston needs to address going forward because uh, Vince, you mentioned twenty four points in the XFL. That's four touchdowns, and the, don't let those scores fool you and say that that was only twenty four points and maybe a couple field goals. Those are four touchdowns by a team that you know most people thought wouldn't be this good, and they're doing pretty good. You, you can mention the screen pass, you can mention the RPOs, whatever you want. They scored some points. Houston was able to score some more, but in that second half, they were. One interception away, which might not have been an interception to begin with, for being shut out in that second half and, and coming out with an L. They came out with the W, which is what you're supposed to do, and that's the main goal. But St. Louis, I don't think – I can't wait to see this team perform in front of that crowd in that battle doom. That's going to be a lot of fun to see what they can bring, especially against that New York team that's been you know, obviously not as great as the two teams that, that St. Louis has faced so far. Houston uh, has to go to Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so their first road game, it'll be a lot of fun to see that as well. But I think both teams performed great. I think right now there's 
there's an upper echelon of the teams, and I think St. Louis, Houston, and D.C. are those three teams. I think St. Louis is on the cusp, and I, I'm impressed by them. I think, Vince, you're right. There's a lot of – it's a different offense, what they're doing. The coaching job is great. They've got a big – I think they have a robust game plan that they, ha- they haven't even opened up a fraction of it uh, because – uh, a big chunk of it, excuse me, because uh, they are starting slow with Jordan Tamu, but look what he's doing already. And I think he doesn't even look confident yet. When he does, I would not be surprised if on April 26th we're talking about a rematch from this game. Uh, St. Louis looks pretty darn good, and the Houston Roughnecks, they got theirs, and they're already there as a team. They are comfortable they they can pj walker can run that offense those receivers love running the free routes they get to run for the run and shoot and they are living it on O. but they got a little bit slowed down by a pretty damn good defense and defensively the houston roughnecks i think are on a more consistent level than where st louis is right now too that's why they look just like a little bit better of a team but i don't think the battle hawks are too far off well, don't get me wrong. I, I think the Battle Hawks are, you know, they're f- far exceeded my expectations. And, and I think their, their coaching that they've done is excellent. I, I can't state that enough. But at the same time, you know, if Landry Jones uh, is healthy and starts that first game for Dallas against them, you know, we're probably talking about a no and two Battle Hawks team. So let, let's pump the brakes a little bit on, on these guys, you know, before we crown them. You know, Eastern champions. Yeah, well, lots of ifs. Lots of ifs. Yeah, that you did crown them actually on as Eastern. I champions, said right? I wouldn't be uh, surprised, and right now, I mean, considering the DC Defenders would be their only competition after two weeks, things change. But you know, I mean, <laughs> you can totally tell on this show that Alan's been probably the one that's been in sports the most because he always hedges his predictions. Right? He never actually firms up on his choices of who he's actually going to pick. I'll pick the starter. I pick the rough next to win it all, baby, and they're two and zero. Uh, a lot of ifs, uh, Vince. You're right. Could could St. Louis be zero and two right now if Landry Jones started the game? Yes. Could they be two and zero if they had seen that? I'm not saying could. Ball? I said that they would. Okay. So, but regardless, they they could have they would have been two and zero if the if if the referees saw that offsides on that interception by Talmud. So uh, no. a lot of ifs. All we know is that St. Louis is one and one. They look pretty good in both games way better in this game and that's the direction you want to go in from week to week you want to look better as a football team and they did they held houston down in the second half which is even better uh because houston wasn't able to figure out uh st louis st louis was able to figure out houston so those are all positives going into their first home game of the season uh and those fans have something good to look forward to yeah i I don't know about if you know that offsides was called what would have happened um I feel like I feel like Jordan Tamu would have probably got chased and maybe thrown a pick and another play, but he was driving from his own one. It was pretty cool to see, but that's how it ended. 28-24 and the Battle Hawks now get to go finally back home for their home opener at the Battle Dome and we are going to be there Bryant and I uh to ab- absorb it all, take it all in. That atmosphere, 30,000 strong expected and and you know you you Battle Hawks fans have hit us up on Twitter at XFL Show even before the season. You say, "Come on down, this is going to be fun. This is going to be rowdy." Well, we're going to find out. You let's see what you got this week, week three, the home opener when the St. Louis Battle Hawks host the New York Guardians, and that is on Sunday at three p.m. Eastern 
on ESPN. And then, of course, the Houston Roughnecks undefeated, number one in our power rankings against the 0-2 Tampa Bay Vipers in their home opener. And that is Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. And that is week two's recap. Looking ahead to week three for each team. It is definitely going to be a kind of a separation week, Vince. You've got some teams facing 0-3. Are you willing to say it's all over for them if they if the Vipers or LA go 0-3? Uh, I'm not willing to say it's all over, but uh, there's there would be very little margin for error at, at that point. You know, you're basically saying that you gotta, you know, probably can only f- afford one more loss uh, if you're hoping to make the playoffs at that point. And I would never want to be. I thought zero and two is bad, but zero and three. I mean, yikes! That's the memes that the memes that have already come out for for the Vipers fans. Oh man, they're memeing their team to death. You gotta quit it. You got to build your team up, get them hype, get them ready to score for in the red zone, Tampa Bay fans. Oh man, it's hard to hard to see what the Vipers fans are saying online, Brian. I don't know if you've caught any of the, that. A lot of the stuff, you know, like the guy, the stick figure with the stick saying, "Come on, do something." That's a lot of what I've seen for the Vipers online. <laughs> There's a lot of. It's still early in the season. Yeah, we're twenty percent through the the. The, uh, the first season of the XFL, we are closer than ever to the championship game until the end of the season. But like I said, the Wildcats 0-2, they're still just as the same amount of games out of a playoff spot as they were last week. 0-3 might be detrimental to their season, but again, that's, it's just all progression. It's, it, we'll see what happens as the season goes on because they can go 7-0 after that. They haven't looked like that bad of a team. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, but we'll have plenty to discuss as we always do every single week here, every Tuesday morning, every Thursday night. Uh, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can also find us on XFL.com or YouTube.com slash XFL, the official YouTube channel of the XFL. Yeah, go to the video section on XFL.com, that videos tab, and then click on that and you'll see us podcasts right there. And you can find it if you want to listen right there on the website. Or, of course, like Brian said, rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, week 3, Thursday night show, will be all previews of the Week 3 matchups that we've set up here. We'll hopefully have some uh, good, crisp interviews as well. We thank Jonathan Coachman for giving us his time this week to discuss some XFL football. Vince, you got anything left to say? It was a, a pretty interesting. If the, if Week 2 is just a taste of what's to come, I can only imagine what what someone's going to say on the sidelines, you know, further down the road. Come playoff time, my goodness. Yeah, I'll I'll say this, you know, you know, people can, you know, him and Haw all they want about the the, the quality of the play on the field, but th- this presentation was something to be had. Uh, I thought I thought it was excellent, and I would expect that the quality of the play is only going to get better, and, and that's uh, exciting news for XFL fans. Especially if they play fast and then do it again and again and again. Like oh, yeah. How, how Mummy says. All right, Brian, <laughs> you got anything, man? We out of here? Uh, did we say social media? Yes, uh, at, at XFL Twitter. Show. At, at, at XFL Show. Make sure you follow <laughs> us there. Uh, it's a lot of fun because I'm on Twitter all day long uh, during these games. So it's a lot of fun. So make sure you tweet at us. Uh, and I can't wait for these games. Please be nice to me in St. Louis. I was just kidding. I was just joking. It was all fun and games. Yeah, the LA guy is gonna get his in St. Louis when we're there. We got you got plenty more times to to plead on the next show before that one, Bryant, before the weekend. So, you know, get your maybe you should get a you should you should have a statement for for why <laughs> why you didn't mean anything you said before about the St. Louis Battlehawks uh, before maybe before maybe we get but, there. 
for for those who don't know who I look like, because I know we're on a podcast, I'm a I'm I'm about six foot tall, uh, kind of fading in the hair, light colors hair. Um, that that's what I look like. You're the Alan is the, the, the bigger dude, me. the little about five eight. <laughs> that's that's Alan. Bryant is the taller guy. Just if you see a, a yes, both. He flipped that. They know who we are. We've been on the YouTube. We've been on on XFL pregame. We're hoping to be on it this weekend as well. Um, man, it's going to be so much fun. But we do have Thursday night show to, to to hit fast and hard. Game previews. Make sure you subscribe so you catch that one. And, hey, enjoy the rest of the week. Build up to week three. and We'll see you late Thursday night. For Bryant, for Vince, I'm Alan. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening. <laughs>